Welcome to this edition of Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets, Australia's number one website for expert investment analysis. Buy, Hold, Sell is a weekly show where two fund managers share their views on a selection of listed companies in their area of expertise. Buyers and sellers are what make the market, and you'll find that our guests don't always agree on the stocks being covered. Hit the subscribe button on your podcast player to be the first to receive new episodes each week. If there are stocks you'd like our guests to discuss, let us know by leaving a comment in the review segment. Remember, the views expressed in this show are not recommendations to invest. You should seek appropriate investment advice before making any investment decisions. And of course, please read the disclaimer in the show's notes. Let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets. My name's James Marley and today I'm joined by Gary Rollo from Montgomery Investment Management and Josh Clark from QVG Capital. My two guests are specialists in smaller company investing and I reckon they're pretty brave because it's been a bit of a tough time at the small end of the market. Uh, the Small Lords down 14% year to date. One of the bright spots has been the resources industry, but not everyone is drawn to resources. So today we're going to be talking about What's happening in the small caps? How much more pain might be ahead of us? What's some of the opportunities and tactics you have at your disposal to take advantage of the sell-off? Josh, I'll start with you. Why has it been so tough in small caps and is the worst behind us? Oh, you know, I think it's close to impossible to say which way the market's going from here. So I wouldn't, wouldn't rule out markets moving lower. Um, what I would say is, is given the severity of price, move, price moves so far is... It's pretty hard to imagine the worst still being ahead of us, so, so potentially it is behind us. Um, I think why it's been so tough in small caps in particular, you've probably got a few reasons. So the first one is the, the upwards revision to interest rates uh, has had an impact in terms of compressing valuations. Small caps are particularly sensitive to that because they typically higher growth, longer duration, so more sensitive to that rate move. Um, I think the other thing to mention is uh, the composition of the, of the index, so large caps, um, very dominated by banks and resources, so in a unique inflation up, interest rates up um, type environment, they tend to outperform, so I think you've seen money move from smalls into, into large caps. Um, and then maybe the, large, the, sorry, the last reason is just momentum begets momentum, so we're in a bit of a risk-off environment, so the perceived uh, safety in, in large caps is, is more attractive than small caps. Okay, a few reasons there. Gary, have you got anything to add to that? And any... any um crystal ball telling us as to, to how far down the, the, the selling path we're on? Yeah, sure. Look, um, I agree with what Josh has uh, put on the table there. I'd just say that, um, look, in a risk-off world, which we're seeing, you have you know, a lot of selling arrive, and you're seeing that at the top end of town as well. Um, but in small caps, the liquidity pool is, is a lot thinner, and so that amplifies that effect. Um, you, you do need to check up on what's going on with fundamentals, though. Uh, it's pretty clear that in some areas of the economy, fundamentals have changed. You know, for example, in consumer, which I'm sure we'll touch on later, you know, things have changed there. So you, you could argue that um, there's, there's some good reasons beyond sentiment why, um, why we're seeing uh, some of the share price changes that we've seen. But in other sectors, um, you know, Josh has mentioned some inflation-positive sectors. There is definitely some areas of the market we can invest in as well. Yep. 
So you touched on a point that I wanted to discuss there, which is I get the impression that the small cap end of the market is more influenced by sentiment than others. Um, how much of the selling that we've seen is, is down to that a shift in, in the fundamental outlook versus just risk off sentiment? Look. Hard to quantify? No, I think, I mean, uh, Josh and I, we'll, we're both fundamental guys. We'll sit down and try and quantify things in spreadsheets all day long every day. That's what we do. So there's no doubt that, um, you know, we can try and get to the bottom of some of this. Whether or not we'll be right or not, because sentiment is a factor too, we'll have to see. But, you know, coming to that, that discretionary, you know, consumer point, the small cap index has, has a lot of its growth stocks in discretionary consumer facing areas and things have changed there. The cost to acquire customers has gone up because of the rules, rule change with some of the, some of the, the rules around Apple. Um, you've got you know, consumer spend is, is under pressure from the effect of inflation that we're seeing in markets today and, and likely more. So demand destruction is on the, is on the risk side of the, the curve there. And you've also got you know, changing unit economics for these businesses. So funnily enough, some of those big growth stocks and small caps like, you know, Breville, ARB, you know, Zip, those kind of businesses, they're seeing a change in their fundamentals and investors are going to reprice them. Um, so I would say uh, those sectors you, you want to not take on unless you've got a better view of the macro world than I have and you've got a better crystal ball than I have because um, the market is starting to come to grips with what those inflationary forces mean but we're not at the end of that realisation yet, would be my call. Yep. Anything to add to that, Josh? Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, I'd certainly echo, uh, echo those comments on the risk of, um, of repeating some of that. But one of the interesting things to think about, um, uh, if you look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin's halved. Has the outlook for Bitcoin changed? I don't know if Bitcoin has an outlook, just given the lack of fundamentals there. So that has to be pure sentiment. So there's no doubt that sentiment is playing a role in what we're seeing at the moment. Um, but yeah, again, to echo some of Gary's comments around, uh, around the outlook, the outlook has changed. For me, one of the most significant things is that, that interest rate expectations uh, higher that we've seen and what that does to valuations, especially long duration assets. So anything that's expensive typically falls in that bucket. Uh, and then, yeah, also I'd, I'd agree with some of those, um, uh, you know, that potential consumer weakness that could be on the horizon. So the, there's examples like Walmart and Target in the US that, that have been talked about quite a lot uh, in terms of their recent results. So there's some early signs of that. Um, shouldn't be too surprising, uh, just given mortgage rates are higher, other cost of living um, pressures, uh, the, the petrol price would, would be one of those. Um, but we haven't quite seen that yet, I think, uh, in Australia and, and maybe somewhere like the UK. So still on the horizon, but they all form part of the outlook. So I think the outlook certainly has changed. Okay. So um, we're going to get to a couple of investment ideas and opportunities in just a moment. But in the scenario that you're fully invested and you've been riding this downturn, feeling some pain, what are some techniques that you can use? What, what technique can you use to free up some capital before we go and deploy into some new opportunities and, and maybe just a quick checklist of some of the things that, that might be on your hit list, Josh. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I think the, the thing to remember is you can free up capital. So even if you're fully invested, it uh, doesn't mean that you don't have any money to spend. Um, you might have something in your portfolio that's gone down that still has good prospects and is starting to look cheap, but that's not to say you can't sell that and buy something on the, on the other side with better prospects from here. 
um, the, you know, the caution I'd, I'd make is if you're going to sell things in this environment, it's okay to be active, but don't forget to buy something on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think if I was to give a bit of an overarching um, comment around uh, portfolio management, and this is maybe echoing some of the comments Gary's already made, is uh, anything facing the consumer I'd, I'd be a bit cautious on. And to make that a broader statement, anything that has earnings risk in it, I'd just be ruthless about cutting those names and I'd be looking to, to rotate more towards um, defensive, uh, durable growth names. Okay. Portfolio management tips. Gary, when you're fully invested, you felt some pain, how do you capitalise on weakness in market and, and what are some of the techniques you use? Look, right now it's aim small, miss small. Yeah. Um, if you're invested, be very certain of the earnings outlook of the companies that you're in. Don't go... Don't hold on to stocks and sectors or stock names that you're not already 100% certain of. And I think the acid test is to ask yourself, if this stock dropped 20%, would I buy some more? Um, I think that's you know, something that you need to gravitate around as a, as, a, as a rule at this particular point in time. So for us, um, we, we're a bit like uh, Josh's point, looking in sectors where the certainty is low and asking ourselves, is there a valuation reason to be there? And if it's not, you need to move on to sectors where that certainty is higher and you can gain conviction that the earnings profile is strong enough and the investment case strong enough to allow you to, uh, to stay invested. Okay. Well, let's look at a, a, have a quick chat about a few sectors. Discretion and retail, healthcare and tech have all been brutally sold off. I'll put some charts up in the wire from this um, that I have just looking at the small cap industrials sector. The worst 25 stocks, I think it's year to date, if you own the 25th worst performing stock, you'd only be down 40%. If you own the worst performing stock, you'd be down nearly 80%. That's zip. It's been brutal. Is the sell-off gone too far in some of those sectors or what are some of the sectors that you do like? Okay, so you listed out three sectors there. Discretion retail, I think Josh and I have explained that that's not plan A right now. Line through through that that red pen. So um, let's move on to the next one. You mentioned healthcare. Well, in small caps, healthcare, those businesses are some of the toughest to value type assets, and they're also generally cash burning. So that wouldn't be my first you know, place to go looking. Yeah. Um, tech, I think it's a bit different. Consumer-facing tech has all the same problems as the consumer. So don't look there. And that's why Zip's been spanked and a few of the other sort of more, you know, e-commerce related names, Temple and Webster, those types of businesses, not for today, Redbubble. But I would look in tech that's exposed to enterprise spend. And that is cloud related names, data centers. Uh, You can find good businesses with solid business models. And actually the sector fundamentals are super strong. Those big three hyperscale companies that provide the kind of base DNA for cloud technologies, their businesses are still growing at 35%. Mm-hmm. Spending's not missed a beat because the enterprise is facing the same challenges that the consumer is. It needs to you know, improve its flexibility, lower its unit costs, and the answer to that is technology and cloud, and they're still spending and spending hard. There are some good business models and small cap in that space, so that's where I'd start. That's what I'd be looking and funnily enough, those stocks are all being sold off to, not to the same extent as the consumers, mm. but look, high grade your portfolio, get into something with, with much better fundamentals at a cheaper price. That's, you know, that's the name of the game in investing. I'm going to get you to pitch me a name in a moment. Sure. Josh, sectors, anything to add to what Gary said? He likes, he's, he's, he's okay to pick through some of those um, B2B, you know, enterprise level tech stocks. 
Yeah, yourself. well, just to quickly run through them, I'll skip discretionary tech. We've put a sorry uh, discretionary uh, retail because we put a line through that, but I certainly don't disagree. Uh, healthcare, I think it's absolutely a um, a mixed bag, but I'd be looking at the companies that are already on an earnings recovery trajectory, um, and they ask throughout the market cap spectrum. So maybe an example of a smaller one. Um, Pacific Smiles, a dental business that has a massive dent in the share price, that's already on an earnings recovery trajectory. Uh, obviously, the product's particularly defensive. Um, and if you go right up the other end of the market cap spectrum in healthcare, you've got something like a CSL, uh, also um, a, a defensive durable uh, business model that, that it's on an earnings recovery trajectory. Mm. So I think they're reasonable places to start looking. Um, and then I'd echo some of those comments from Gary uh, in terms of technology. But it is still a mixed bag. So there's been a lot of cash... Uh, cash bleeders, cash burners, um, capital destroyers in the tech space, uh, and they're, they're not coming back anytime soon. In fact, some of them will be lucky just to uh, get capital to keep going. Um, yeah, so I'd be looking somewhere where you've got a high level of earning certainty. So if you use something like maybe a Hanson Technologies as an example, where they've got an extremely sticky utilities customer base, so high level of certainty around uh, revenue and earnings for that business. Um, uh, and it's also got a, a very reasonable valuation at that point. I think they're the kind of um, places you want to be looking. Okay. So I was going to get you each to pitch a stock. Is that your stock? Is for something that's non-resources related, that's defensive in a risk-off environment? Have you got, have you got a, a stock you want to pitch? Was that it, Hanson? Uh, no, um, I'll give you, give you a different one. Um, something like uh, a PSC insurance comes to mind. So they're, they're an insurance broker, I guess in a way similar to Hanson, that their product is very... Um, very defensive. Uh, it's going to be, you know, just just as in demand next year as it was last year and, and this year, regardless of the environment that we uh, that we move through. So that's been defensive from both a revenue, earnings, and share price uh, share price perspective. But I think on top of that, um, you can you know that you're going to be in safe hands because you've got a significant portion of insider ownership. Um, you've got a long track record of execution. You're getting in double digits um, for earnings growth if you add up things like um, volumes, price, and uh, and uh, inorganic growth or, or acquisitions. So that's um, that's certainly a defensive name that comes to mind for me. Okay. Now, Gary, you can do resources. Yeah. But I'll let you pick what you want to do. Can you picture something in that in that um, in that small end um, and that something's proving defensive in the risk-off environment? Defensive resources. OMG, I don't know that such a thing exists. Let's eliminate the word defensive. I'm actually going to go with a resources stock because I mean, the resources sector it offers you some of the positive exposures to inflation, right? And, class, and, and you can also see there are some major events happening in the world that the resources sector is the place to play them. Decarbonisation, energy security. There are changes that are happening that you can only really play in resources. So I'm going to go there. Yep. Uh, my, my fund can play there. But I'm going to go old school, not all this super sexy new EVs and lithiums. I'm going to go talk to you about Metco because there's something big happening in the Metco space. Look, Metco is one of Australia's biggest exports. Um, BHP has been forced, let's use that word, to sell its coal assets for probably ESG reasons. It's effectively disposed of one portion of its portfolio to a small company called Stanmore. Uh, that business, um, at current prices, Stanmore will be able to pay for that in one year hmm. because the prices are so strong. Now, sector fundamentals in Metco were already strong before the Russians decided to invade Ukraine. 
Uh, and we've got repercussions from that. The EU has said no more Russian coal, thank you very much. And they are a big part of that market. So let's just think about it. The deal closed in May. They need probably about 600 million bucks Aussie of cash flow to get their balance sheet back into sort of what you would call a neutral-ish type position. You know, they'll be able to achieve that in, you know, three or four months of owning this business at these price levels. So big changes happening uh, for ESG reasons take a look at the resources sector because there are stocks like Stanmore that are taking advantage and I don't think the majors are finished at disposing these high quality assets. Just to give you a sense of the quality of this asset, this is a through the cycle cash generator. It's the, there's assets or mines in this portfolio that are the benchmark price for the coal. So when you see PCI coal price, that's actually come from the mine that's been sold here. It's that high quality. So there are shifts going on and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, we want to make some money and have our spurs on and have a go. Even if the, the world is a tougher place, you can still find pockets of opportunity and for sure some of them in the resources space. So that's what we've been looking for. Well, folks, it sounds like the game in small caps has changed. The winners of yesterday aren't going to be the winners of tomorrow. So it might time to brush off your notebooks and think about some new strategies presented by our guests today. Thanks for listening to Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets, Australia's number one source of expert investment analysis. Register for free at livewiremarkets.com to discover more exclusive investing articles, videos, and podcasts.